0: Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, May 9th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So where are we in the admissions calendar? I mean, it's... uh... I know we've started to think a lot about the next season, but w- w- I mean, there's still people waiting, right? There's still a lot of waitlist yeah. um, speculation going on.
1: There's a lot of waitlist speculation around three decisions are uh, continuing to be released. This upcoming week, it's gonna be Wharton, Kellogg, uh, Ross and Haas, and then the following week, some more schools. So so yeah, there's still a lot of decisions out there. And we, like you say, there's been a bit of an uptick on Folks hearing back from from their waitlist status, it seems like schools are sort of making quick decisions off of the waitlists seem to be more um, quickly than perhaps in prior years, signalling to me anyway that, that, yeah, those that are on the waitlist it's a better year to be in that situation.
0: Yeah, and we haven't crunched the numbers, but I know there's been some speculation on our site and on the web generally about whether or not people on average have gotten more kind of more offers this year. And so that would lead obviously to more wait list movement and things. So we'll see, and I, you know, we normally wait for the kind of dust to settle on on all these decisions, but it does seem like it's not a bad year to have been an applicant because the volume's a little bit down and yeah. So we'll see what, what goes on there. Alex, I want to, I want to put you on the spot. I've been doing these events. You know, we, we cleared mid host these events with admissions directors and we asked them all kinds of questions about the admissions process. And, and, you know, sometimes I have some of them come on the show as well for these interviews. And I keep meaning to ask you this when, when we're together here, but I wanted to ask you if you were applying to business school, what is the one part of the application process that you would want to skip? Because I I ask this to admissions directors all the time, and I've always wondered, like, what it would be for you. Well, I mean, I I think the common answer is the test, right? Yeah, so many of them Um, say that. Although one, somebody recently said the essays. I can't remember who it was that I was interviewing, but someone said the essays, which I was shocked because no one's ever said that. They almost always say the test, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the test is the most obvious answer. (laughs) But my history would dictate, actually, the test is good for me Mm -hmm. because... In, in current uh, current standards my my test score isn't that great, but you know two hundred and fifty million years ago <laughs> relatively it was actually a very high score so yeah so so that actually helped me out a lot so um but yeah no I, 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 I'd probably still lean on the side of the test yeah. but um yeah i I think the essay writing process is very cathartic it should be good, it should be very introspective right um Probably if you're you're not, you know, if you're sort of a bit of a procrastinator, probably the essays is not your favorite thing yeah, um, and and so forth. But yeah, yeah. I mean.
0: So are you saying, are you saying that when you took the GMAT exam, you had to use a pen and paper, right? It was pencil based. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's, yeah, (laughs) you could only take the test, you know, I think four times a year. I mean, there are only four times that the test was offered um, each year. And um, and yeah, there were no none of these resources for test prep, or at least the quality of test prep resources that we have now. Yeah. And quite frankly, when I got my test results, I thought ET- I thought GMAC had made a mistake. <laughs> I I'd, I'd, I'd never seen a result like that on a test that I'd done. Yeah. Um, in the past, so I was quite surprised.
0: Yeah. So you said you said ETS, and you would have been right because at that time ETS was the one making. The GMAT exam. Right. right? And then they since um, lost that contract to another company. um, But that's a whole other whole other story. Um, Let me see. I've got a couple of housekeeping items. So we have Uh, been continuing to publish these Real Humans MBA alumni series. And we have a a woman named Corey uh, Bourbonnais, who is a Michigan Ross grad, and she works at McKinsey now. And, you know, she gave, you know, kind of always asked these folks for advice. And she said, you know, as you navigate preparation for the recruiting process, remember to focus on your strengths in addition to your weaknesses. And she goes on to just talk about how she spent all this time, like, worrying about, really tough math type questions that they they sometimes ask you in a consulting interview to sort of think on your feet a little bit, but that she realized that, you know, she needed to do work on that, but that one of her biggest strengths was her kind of creativity and conceptual sort of problem solving and, and things like that. So she, you know, is just recommending that you'll feel more confident if you also remember to kind of focus a little bit on your strengths too, as you're preparing, um, just to remind yourself where you're really good. So that was kind of a nice story to read. Um, so again, a Michigan Ross grad who's now at McKinsey. And then we had a fellow by the name of Graham actually, who is a Stanford GSB grad and he's now at Deloitte. And I think he graduated in, I wanna say 2020 or maybe it was 21. And again, we ask always for advice and his advice was, that an MBA is the perfect time to focus on personal and professional development in that order. Reflect deeply on who you are, what is important to you and what you want to do with your life. Don't be afraid to dream big and then be very intentional about working towards what your goals are. When you do something intentionally and you fail, it's a sign that you're pushing yourself beyond your limits. It's the best way to grow and the only way to achieve the incredible. So I was like, wow, sign this guy up for a, you know, a commencement speech, because that was a pretty good um, you know, sort of set of advice, if you ask me. <laughs>
1: no, I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I would argue that, again, that Stanford first essay extends that sort of um, personal sort of introspection to before you begin your MBA journey. Like the MBA journey begins when you start tackling that um, first essay rather than just when you arrive on campus um at 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 Stanford so yeah absolutely brilliant
0: yeah and that guy was actually originally from uh South Africa so um, you know, yeah, it's just interesting to see where people come from. Obviously, Corey, who's the woman at McKinsey, is from the u s from from Massachusetts. So anyway, it's always just fun to kind of learn about these people and and how they navigated through business school and into their, you know, early career here post MBA. So lots of fun. The other thing, as I alluded to earlier is that we're having all these events every Wednesday this month. Last week, I got to host an event on kind of an application overview event with Berkeley, Michigan, NCN, and Yale. It was a lot of fun. I learned quite a bit. I I learned, for instance, that you can apply to Haas without a test score. Um, They don't even have a waiver process. You just have to kind of indicate why you chose not to supply a score Um, and the information about that's on their website. I also learned that uh, Michigan is thinking about whether they're gonna keep their waiver process or not and that they're unlikely to have their team interview come back this season, even though, you know, because for now everything's still virtual with their interviews. But so just kind of good to check in with these schools and hear all about like what they look for. And yeah, it just was a lot of fun. And um, we're doing it all over again this Wednesday. Uh, It's actually a big list of schools this week. We've got uh, Carnegie Mellon, Cornell, Duke, Wharton, and UT Austin joining us for this Wednesday uh, at noon Eastern. So you can sign up on our website or just go to tinyurl.com forward slash clear admit events. That's all one word, all lowercase. So yeah, a lot of fun, Alex.
1: Well, if someone um, isn't able to attend an event but wants to watch the recording, do we archive these recordings for them, Graham?
0: Yeah, and so typically what happens is if you register for the event, you get an email afterwards with a link to a recording in case you want to relive the moment or as you say, in case you like couldn't make it. Okay. So yeah. So definitely if you're interested in getting access to a recorded um, event, you need to sign up. So yeah, definitely go and sign up even if you're not sure you can make it because you'll get on the list. So. And and
1: and you had quite a few folks attend, right? The The first event.
0: Oh yeah. There were like a couple, yeah, it was like several hundred people and we had many more than that sign up. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, these are fun, and and we do it in a way that I feel is very applicant centric. So we try. This isn't just let the schools ramble on about how their program's the best or something. So we try to make it pretty tactical. So I'm having fun. Very
1: yeah. good, very good. <laughs>
0: um, I, I'm I'm sad to say there've been no reviews of the of the podcast that I can you know share here on the show, uh, and we didn't get any emails or anything. So obviously, if you want to review the show, you can do so over at Apple Podcasts, or you can write to us at info at clearedmit. Dot com Use the subject line wiretaps, and we will write you back. So reach out if you're enjoying the show. It was nice to see, Alex, the the folks that you've picked out this week. A couple of them had some really nice feedback for us on the show. So we'll get into that. But otherwise, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about this week before we get to our candidates? Let's kick on. All right. So this is wiretaps candidate number one. So we've got an apply wire entry This candidate is applying to start in the fall of 2023, and they have five schools on their target list. And those schools are Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, MIT, and Chicago. They are currently an army officer uh, working in, uh, I guess, cyber stuff. So um, it's kind of a tech role. They're interested after business school in getting into either consulting or technology. And they mentioned Bain, BCG, and McKinsey on the consulting side, but they also did mention Oracle as a potential um, landing place in, on the tech side. They have a GMAT score of 730, and they have a GPA of 3.82. They've been uh, four years in the military at this point. They're located in Baltimore, and they don't seem to, they want to land in the U.S. after business school, but they're not too fussed about whether it's east or, or west coast. And they gave us a ton of detail. They're originally from Alaska, Um, They're a a Caucasian male, Uh, they studied physics as an undergraduate with a math minor from a top 100 liberal arts college, and they do some outside activities as well. And yeah, there's a lot to get into here. So I want to kind of turn it over to you because there are several sort of <laughs> questions that they posed ranging from, you know, their, their test score and, and even, you know, we'll get into it, but even kind of sharing their military experience. So Alex, I'm going to turn the floor over to you. What do you think of this candidate? And yeah, what are the key challenges?
1: Well, I always say that chemical engineering has got to be one of the toughest majors, <laughs> but what about physics? It's not bad, right? <laughs> physics sounds to me like it's got to be very hard. Yeah, but you know that just might be my my poor sort of <laughs> science background but a 382 physicist with a 730 gmat working as a as an army officer um seemingly doing some really good things um in you know through their military experience um there has to be a lot to like um with regard to this candidate Graham, yeah um you know let you know. Let's assume that military experience and, and and some of it's dealing with cybersecurity, which obviously is pretty highbrow stuff now. We know that, um, or that might be because I'm reading a book about espionage. I figure, <laughs> and, and sort of colouring my my thing. But yeah, to me, there's a lot, a lot to like here, um, and but but there there are a couple of questions that I think it's really interesting for us to discuss. Um, so, so I'm going to say, you know, quite frankly, I think this is a highbrow candidate. They're aiming at the very top schools: Harvard, Sloan, Stanford, um, Chicago, and Wharton. There may be some argument to add one or two, sort of maybe from the next tier. Yeah, but I don't, you know, I don't know if that's the case. Quite frankly, if they execute well on their their applications, they should get some um, opportunities. But they, there's a couple of interesting um, questions here um, that we could we could look at. One is. Yeah, on the on the one side, there's not a lot of extracurriculars other than fitness and, and running and stuff like that. But I don't think that's a, a big obstacle for them to overcome. Um, you know, again, from military candidates, we don't typically see a lot of, you know, outstanding extracurriculars, presumably because they're so tied up with their military career um, at, at the time, which makes it difficult, right? Yeah. Moving around and so on and so forth. Um, so, so I think that's going to be fine. The, the other thing to think about, and you know, they said a lot of their works classified, right? Yeah. So they currently go into the detail of the work. So my question to you, Graham, and this is a question that they pose, and I think it's an interesting question. How would they go about portraying their impact in the sort of level of work that they've done if a lot of what they've done is ultimately, um, not, the detail that they can reveal in the essays.
0: Yeah, it's a tricky, you know, I would say can they use a black highlighter and just, you know, mark out sections of their essays, you know, <laughs> the, the way we see in CIA documents. <laughs> um but no, I I don't know. I mean, this it's tricky, right? It's um I feel like they can still talk about you know, operations that they... Because they talk about creating and then implementing certain operations in in the, you know, in the, I guess, arena or whatever you would call it, right? So they, right. I think it, you know, I don't know to what level of depth they can go, but I would assume that they could indicate that, um, you know, they they could speak in broad brushstrokes about where this happened, you know, what region of the world instead of a country or any kind of specifics. But I, I feel like, you know, they could say that it was a... Um, I don't know. There must be ways to speak about it without revealing, um, you know, stuff that's gonna give away what it was. But I, again, they need to. What they need to focus on, the admissions reader doesn't care if this was an operation against, you know, some Russian hackers or the Russian military or something. I don't know. But the, what they do need to know is that you know, this person spent six months working with a team of 20, you know, computer programmers to develop and deploy some kind of, you know, anti-malware service or whatever it might be, right? So I, I think that's what's more important as opposed to when it happened or where or which country right. was, you know, th- I, I think.
1: And I mean, and also focusing on the broad brushstrokes of what are the outcomes of their work, right? Yeah. Um. So so I'm sure there are ways to talk about the outcomes and the impact without reviewing the specifics. Right. Um. and and, and so forth. And and I would argue that if you're, you know, if you're working for a for-profit company, you have some of the same challenges. Maybe it's not... Not officially classified, but your comp, you know, your for-profit business company isn't going to want you to be revealing a lot of their competitive secrets, right? So.
0: Right. I mean, yeah, I would feel like you could say, you know, work to develop and deploy software that thwarted X number of attacks against yeah. infrastructure in, you know, in a country or whatever it would be, right? So there's got to be a way. And, you know, yeah, cause they can't, um, they can't have an exploding application or a, you know, if I, if I, if you read this, I will have to, you know, kill you or something. You know, can't, right. can't go down, down any of that path. But I, I feel like there's gotta be a way to share yeah. some basic stuff and, and they clearly have done some really interesting work, so. Really
1: interesting work. What, what about their goals, Graeme?
0: Yeah, this was interesting because they seemed to be worried about, oh, do I say consulting since that's a natural way to learn about a number of you know different industries and it's a natural landing place for military folks and even though they said they're really passionate about tech. And so my, my view was given that they're working in the military in a tech type role, I would have no problem if they said, I want to go to Oracle or Amazon or Google, and I mm. want to work in a kind of project management or even maybe an operations type role. Uh, you know, those roles are common for, for military folks. So I, I'm okay with a direct into tech. I mean, obviously, if they want to do consulting, that's fine, too. But I was less worried, given the fact that they're already in kind of cyber security and, and working in a kind of tech Um, space within the military.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, again, they got a physics degree. They're working in cybersecurity. They got the chops to do this without any, (laughs) you you know, concern from, I I would have imagined future employers as well as Adcom and so on and so forth. So
0: um,
1: overall, Graham, I think a great candidate, right?
0: Yeah. I want to highlight two really quick things on this one. Number one is they did mention one of their pastimes is cocktail making competitions with friends what do you think about that one is that i mean should they talk about that or is it better to focus on the other stuff they're doing given it's alcohol and stuff
1: is that a drinking contest or a cocktail making yeah. contest you've got to drink the the, yeah. the cocktail afterwards yeah right? so it's probably so, a bit of
0: both <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, yeah i mean you know assuming that they portrayed in the right 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 frame um it'll be fine but i don't know that it really adds a lot of value to their candidacy right. so it might not be
0: yeah I mean, it could be an okay, maybe colorful bullet point at the bottom of the resume, yeah. you know, maybe they do a bunch of, you know, sometimes people have a, a laundry list at the end that's sort of like, you know um, cooking, uh, you know, Korean cuisine, uh, cocktail making and, you know, 5k racing, you know, or whatever. Right. So that, that could be fine in that context. But, um, and then the other thing I just wanted to mention is they did leave us a little note that said, thank you, Graham and Alex. I look forward to your podcast every Monday, been listening since my older brother was accepted to an M seven school two years ago. Thanks in part to advice you gave, so that was really nice to see. So two people in the same family—that might be a first. Alex, listening to the show. Yeah, that's absolutely
1: fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So um, quick I
1: question, wish... Graham. Yeah, go ahead. They got a seven thirty G man. Yeah. They did ask the question whether they should retake it.
0: I I'm going to say no. I mean, they have a ninety sixth percentile on the verbal and a sixty seventh percentile on the math. Which you know, could that be better? Yes, but we know that there's a ton of competition to get north of that percentage on the gmat on the on the quant side it's really a crowded field and they have a three eight in physics and everything else looks pretty great so i'm i don't know 7.30 is like at the average for the top schools pretty much yeah. so i i wasn't so worried about it yeah. um i don't know if you agree it's
1: not a worry right no. i mean clearly that gmat in in conjunction with the physics three eight whatever gpa they're going to be able to really thrive in the academic environment. They're going to show ADCOM that's the case. The question's almost, well, if they knew that they could come back with a 760 or a 770, does that give them a leg up versus where they are now at these very top schools that they're applying? You can't argue that a 770 is better than a 730. The question is on the margin, how much of an uplift would that present? Um, And, Yeah, if they if they did put three or four months of prep in to get that seven thirty, I'm I'm agreeing with you, Graham. Move on. Yeah, you've already sort of jumped the hurdle and cleared it by three or four. You know, there's already a lot, a lot, a lot to like here, and that seven thirty GMAT's not going to um, drag you down at all. It's it's the average of the very top schools, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm inclined to let it let it lie. I mean, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, and you hinted at this. I, I you know, I don't know that I would only apply to the top five schools in the nation, because um, many would argue that that list, that list they have is basically the top five. So I, I think, but they could apply to those in the first round yeah. and then see where the chips fall and always readjust accordingly. So that that would be my advice: go with the score they have, apply early to these schools, and get it in and see see how it all goes with the interviews and everything. Yeah. I mean,
1: I'd be shocked if they didn't get into one of them at least.
0: Yeah. Uh, Agreed. I think they're going to be fine.
1: But yeah, mitigate by having a plan for for maybe a couple for the next tier. But absolutely fantastic overall, I think.
0: Yeah. So I want to thank that person for sharing uh, their profile on the site and for tuning in each and every Monday and for their service. So um, let's move on, though, and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is another ApplyWire entry, and it's a candidate that, again, is looking to start school in the fall of twenty three. Uh, They have Berkeley, Columbia, MIT Sloan, NYU, Chicago, and Wharton on their target list. And this candidate is a food scientist, um, and so they they work in the food industry. Um, They say they have a focus on kind of program management and strategy. Uh, Post-MBA, they're debating, they kind of are interested in consulting. They also are interested in maybe getting back into the food industry with a big, you know, CPG uh, brand. And then they also talk about nonprofit social impact work more in the long run. And they even cite a goal maybe with working with the UN on, um, you know, kind of food related issues. Uh, In the short term, they listed Coke, Nestle, Pepsi, and Unilever as potential targets if they had that CPG route. The GMAT score is a 710. The GPA is a 3.5. They have uh, five years of work experience. They're located in the San Francisco Bay Area. This is a female candidate who is originally from India, who did undergrad uh, over there in food science, I believe, and then came to the U.S. and did a, actually, so I'm sorry, they did their undergrad in India in biotech, and then they did, uh, they came to the U.S. directly after that for undergrad, um, for, sorry, for a master's in food science. And they claim they attended a public Ivy for that on the East Coast and they've got some academic issues that they outlined their gpa from grad school i think is a three two and they're a little nervous about that Um, so we'll we'll get into that but alex what do you make of this candidate because they it, you know, we don't see food scientists terribly often um, and there are there are a lot of kind of interesting factors here You know, it's kind of female candidate which is sought after but Indian which maybe is a little less sought after because a little more yeah. Representation. So what do you make of this candidate?
1: Yeah, I like the food science background to be frank Graham And I think if they can weave that through their goals and narrative going forward that's going to give them a leg up and they've talked about you know in the long run sort of looking at the World Food Programme and doing work with the World Food Programme and so on and so forth. So I think, um, you know, I'm not asking this candidate to make that their long run goal um, specifically. But if they genuinely have a passion for doing something like that, they really want to weave that through their candidacy. Because that could be the factor that helps them stand out in their profile from, you know, maybe a couple of other characteristics that sort of um, makes them a little bit overrepresented. So I really like that food, the, the the food science background. And I like the idea that maybe in the long run, they're going to really leverage that to do good in the world, because that's essentially what top tier business schools are seeking out of their alumni is right folks that ultimately go on and do very good good things absolutely you mentioned about this uh, master's degree they've got a a class I think they failed Um, they retook it they got an A I think they ended up maybe teaching that course or or helping teach the course they're definitely going to have to address that in the optional essay yeah Um, because of you as you've expressed in the past you Know as adcom readers, we tend to sort of skim the transcripts. We see an F, we don't actually look to see if that was retaken, we just sort of bucket it in. There's a failed call, so addressing it explicitly in the optional essay is absolutely the best way to go. Um, The GMAT at 710 isn't outstanding, it's you know, it it, well, that's to us normal people, (laughs) it is outstanding, but when you're targeting these very top programs it's not going to um be be outstanding so bumping that up a little bit probably would be um impactful um i i would say but but i'm a big fan of this potential long term goal and that could really elevate this overall profile and i think getting to that long term goal through the steps that she's articulated is 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 perfectly uh, logical I'd also reckon that her work experience currently appears to be very good. I think she's going to be able to show really strong impact. Um so 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 that should really help and that should help support this narrative in the long run um in in terms of um, um do, doing good with uh, with food or whatever it is. So I think there's a lot to like here, Graham.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: With a couple of sort of potential hurdles to overcome. I'm going to bounce a question back to you and then let you also address your thoughts on her candidacy. Because she did have a very good question. Mm -hmm. And that is, if her long run goal is social impact in nature... What is the value of the MBA for folks that really want to do that um, versus for-profit type work and so on and so forth? And we, you know, we haven't really done a deep dive talk about this, I don't think, on this podcast. So it'd be good to hear your your, your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, it's a really good question, right? Because you could argue that, wow, if you want to work in social impact and particularly at a place like the UN um, or similar NGOs, you might, you know, target a public policy degree or an international, you know, affairs type degree, you know, go to go to a place like Princeton or, or the Kennedy School at Harvard or you know, th- those types of programs. With that said, the folks that I know who've done an MBA and ended up in that kind of work have been very comfortable with you know with their training and and what they've learned. And I actually have some firsthand experience in that um, my wife did a policy degree in parallel to my pursuing my MBA at Wharton, and we compared notes a little bit and got to see that you know the coursework's actually not so different in some respects. you know the, obviously I, she was taking public finance while I was taking corporate finance, but there's a lot of carryover and and so there's there, there's some things that are quite useful and I, I think some of it depends on, how she wants to map that path to say the UN, you know, if she is going to work at a CPG, then she's going to be obviously better served with the MBA under her belt, um, in making her way there. And I really like this storyline of her maybe going to a, Unilever or a Nestle and then working her way up the chain there and then eventually becoming So big and important that she can make that kind of a jump over to the UN and you know That kind of thing. So I I'm comfortable with the storyline. I think the NBA will help her I think going to a top school with a global network will be important Uh, I do want to ask you a little bit about school selection here because I wasn't fully following her set of choices, but I do think that there's a really compelling story here. She works with, um, right now she's working in, you know, in San Francisco at a company that does uh, plant-based meat, right? So kind of, she's on the kind of cutting edge of, you know, food science and stuff. And I think it's gonna be a really interesting story to hear about what she's been doing. She's had some promotions and, and moved up in the ranks. And, and so I feel like there's a great storyline. I do agree with you. I have some concerns on the academic side. It's not that she failed a class. I'm just more thinking, wow, she wants to go to the very best, you know, the 710, 3.5 and a 3.2 in grad school isn't gonna jump off the page. So I don't really know, we don't have a percentile breakdown on her test score, but that would be kind of good to know. Um, but I think, I don't know if she has time to retake the test or what her plan is there, but I, I, I would feel more comfortable about her getting into, say an M7 type school, if she had a slightly higher test score It's a a tough call because I think, you know, there's a really compelling story here overall. Um, But yeah, academically, hard to say, you know, where where the chips are going to fall. Yeah, I mean, that is
1: the the weaker piece of the application, no doubt, on a relative scale, right? Everything else looks super, super strong. And yeah, the 710 with with a a, a failed course in, in, in grad school, that combination... On a relative scale, make, makes that the weakest thing. I, I believe that she is planning to um, retake the GMAT. Okay. Um, she was she was uh, practicing at seven thirty, seven forty. She struggles with her nerves. Yeah, that's right. According to what wh- what she's su- suggesting in terms of taking the test, and you know, I, and, and I and I'm sure that's really really challenging. The way I would approach that in terms of the retake is I've already got a seven ten under my belt. It's probably going to be good enough no doubt so i'm going to take a flyer and see if i can pop yeah, it off exactly. but knowing that you've got the 710 on under your belt should really give you the, the 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 ability to sort of relax a little bit and just you know perform at your best so yeah. hopefully hopefully that's the case like you say maybe she needs to to spread the, the her 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 candidacy across a couple more schools and, and i suggested and, and it seemed like, um, well, I, I'm not sure if she, she took it on board or not, because she not responded yet, but might be worth having a range, like, you know, one or two of that Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, because there is some really interesting stuff here that maybe um, one of the very, very, very top does, does um, really, really sort of align with. And then one or two other M7, and then one or two top 16, like Duke or Ross or something like that, yeah. that would typically show up for this type of profile. Maybe that other one or two, M7, maybe Kellogg is is, is something that yeah. would come to mind also.
0: Yeah. And I think depending on what she wants to do, because obviously if she wants to do the CPG route, like, yeah, there were some schools not listed here, whether it's a, um, a Kellogg or a Ross or something yeah. that, you know, you would say, gee, you know, those could be pretty useful programs. I also agree with you. She's right now totally concentrated in the top 10 um, schools. And I, I was thinking, well, you know, you never know. And so it might make sense to... Have at least one school that's outside of that group um just to make sure that she's spreading spreading her odds i did want to mention she's got some really terrific outside activities she's very involved in supporting women yeah uh in, in business and 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 so i, I just feel like Yeah, she's got the complete package on the extracurriculars, the work experience, the storyline. And so it's just the academics that may be a little bit less than, you know, what you would expect at a very top, you know, like she's got Wharton on her list or Berkeley. These are really competitive schools when it comes to those academic numbers. So obviously if she's going to reset the test, it sounds like everything, you know, could come really into focus and and she'll be um, well, (laughs) well set up for, for success. I don't know if this is why you picked her, Alex, but she also left us a note that said, I absolutely love your podcast, and I've not stopped talking to folks about it ever since I discovered it. I think you're both doing a fantastic job in hosting it, and I love the fact that you're able to anticipate questions that future applicants like myself might have and answer it with student profiles um, like we've done. So yeah, a lot, a lot of fun to hear that kind of feedback, but hopefully she doesn't dislike us now that we've dissected every aspect of her, of her candidacy. But I do want to say, I appreciate her. She gave us a ton of information that makes it really easy for us to talk about this stuff. So appreciate that.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. And like you say, wish her the very, very um, best of luck.
0: Yeah. And hopefully she'll keep us posted, but yeah, thanks for um, sharing that profile. Let's move on and talk about wiretaps candidate number three. So this is another ApplyWire entry, again, um, someone who I guess is, they didn't clarify, they had listed 2022, but I'm wondering if they're applying to start in 23. Um, So in any event, they have a whole bunch of schools on their target list, which include Tuck, Ross, uh, Stern, Rochester, uh, Booth, UCLA, USC, Darden, and Yale. So a big list of schools. They've been working in energy, and they want to work in tech after business school. They have a whopping 336 on the GRE. I don't think I've ever seen a score as high as that. And they have a 3.85 GPA in undergrad, five years of work experience, um, again, in the energy sector, it sounds like, but we don't really have a sense of you know, any detail because they didn't leave us a lot. You did ask them a question about outside activities, and they mentioned they're involved in two nonprofits one which was actually set up by the candidate and a friend. And they also mentioned that they want to land in the Northeast of the US after business school, but we don't know where they are now. So there's a lot of like question marks here, but Alex, what made you pick this person?
1: Well, I picked this person to give you, give you a little bit of a break because our last person, who's absolutely fantastic, did leave us <laughs> a lot of content um, to dissect. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, we'd take a bit of a flyer on this one, uh, yeah, um, and where where we're going to guess guess um, a little bit. But yeah, but you know, from the counting stats, this this does look like a high profile candidate, right? Mm-hmm. Three thirty six GRE, three eight five GPA. Although we don't know what degree that is. Five years of experience is the sweet spot. So the key will be. Um, from a professional experience standpoint, are they able to show impact at work and growth at work? And then sort of really understanding their, 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 their goals, why, why the MBA to sort of potentially transition into the sort of from, from the energy sector to the technology sector. Although, you know, perhaps it's technology in the energy sector or now they're doing mm-hmm. the energy in the tech, whatever it is. Anyway, they've got to have a good path. They've got to make sense of all that. It looks like their extracurriculars are strong. That was what one of the things that they came back with. Um, so, so then, if, if 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 they are able to show this sort of growth and impact at work, which is the the missing element here, then I would really question their their school selection, Graham. Um, it's not strong enough, um, or at least they should be targeting more of the M7 type program potentially. Um, Obviously, we don't know about their personal background, their demographics and so on and so forth. Maybe they're overrepresented and they're sort of hedging a little bit. But if they they can show impact, Graham, they've got to reach for the very best program that they can get into. And I'm not sure that their target schools um, would allow them to do that.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting set of schools because they have Booth, which is an M7 school, then they have a handful of S7, and then they also have Marshall uh, at USC and then Rochester. And the inclusion of Rochester made me wonder about whether they're very focused on STEM certified MBA programs, um, because Rochester is famous for having the very first STEM certified MBA, which allows international students to work for three years in the U.S. after um, graduation without having to get a special Uh, Visa necessarily. So it's a it's kind of an automatic and I I wondered that made me think oh, maybe it's an international candidate Like you said who could be overrepresented? So is this like an Indian engineer working in energy who's thinking I can't you know I'm not going to get into Harvard even with these great numbers because I'm overrepresented but I I agree with you that they're never gonna know if they would get into Harvard unless they apply. Right. And I also yeah And there
1: and there's plenty there are plenty of Indian candidates that get into Harvard yes. each year. So Exactly. Just because you're overrepresented doesn't mean that nobody gets in. That would be ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is is that they say they want to land in the Northeast and so, okay, you know, NYU's on their list, Yale, Tuck, uh, Rochester, obviously they, those are all Northeast located schools. But then the rest of the list didn't really mesh with that. And you had posed the question what about, you know, Sloan at MIT or, or Wharton or Harvard or Columbia? Yeah. So there are a lot of schools in the Northeast. If that's where they want to land, they should focus in that, you know, region. As we've seen from our in-depth reporting on career placement stats, you know, if you know where you're going to land, you know, and that's the Northeast, then you need to apply to schools that send the most candidates into that yeah. region. So, I mean, I mean, yeah.
1: for, frankly, with that line of thought, Graham Anderson and Marshall just don't make sense.
0: Yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I, w- I was confused by that. We don't know what they want to do in Tech And I was, you know, also thinking about, wow, if they're working in energy, that's kind of a hot sector. And there could be an interesting storyline there. Yeah. And so I wonder if they... I don't know, maybe they want to work in tech, but maybe it's for, you know, Tesla on battery related stuff, or, you know, maybe there's a way to combine their energy experience. Uh, maybe they're working currently in kind of a fossil fuel based energy, you know, role, but they want to pivot into more green energy, you know, and and right. that, that often then intersects with the tech industry. So I don't know, it just, um, there are a lot of question marks here. And I couldn't help but think as I looked at this profile that there might be something that we don't know like where they're from or, you know, whatever it is. So, um, but yeah, a good lesson in the fact that they should, you always want to, you know, what do people say? Shoot your shot, you know, go, go for the top program and then, you know, have a list of schools so that you can pivot accordingly or, you know, apply to a range. But I, I feel like you're right. The top end is not very well represented here on this list.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I, yeah, hopefully, you know, as a result of this conversation, um, we'll learn more about this candidate. Um, But yeah, at the end of the day, even if they are overrepresented, to me, the key is, can they show impact and growth at work? Yeah. If that's the case, I don't care how overrepresented they are. They need to be applied to top programs. If they are overrepresented, then just make sure you do that in round one. That's the key. Yeah. Round one. for overrepresented folks
0: agreed yeah so hopefully i mean you normally leave a note on these posts anyway telling them they've been featured so they'll listen and and hopefully they'll chime in with some additional details or keep us posted as to how this all evolves. Um, Alex, thanks again for picking out candidates week after week. These were some really terrific ones in terms of our ability to discuss, you know, aiming high, uh, public policy related stuff, and and even, you know, military experience and how to translate that. So yeah. lots of good stuff this week. Uh, we'll be back in one week's time to do it all again. So thanks, Alex.
1: Great. Very good. Best luck, everyone. Stay safe.